0: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: Europe is on its back. Now it's really impacting everything.
0: Economic efficiencies, which means some more job
1: opportunities. More stable investment has been preferred as a class. Money for nothing.
0: Good morning and welcome to Monday's Money for Nothing with me, Renita Malhotra-Hora. Greece enters a fateful week after Brussels talks end fruit, fruit, fruitlessly. China will pledge a multi-billion dollar investment into Euro- the Europe's... Uh, into Europe's new infrastructure fund, and China's stock market value tops $10 trillion for the first time. The euro has retreated following the breakdown in talks between Greece and its creditors. We'll get an update on the situation from our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. And there's good news for fintech startups. Today, NEST's Peter Dingle joins us to explain their Accelerator program with DBS. Alex Wong is guest host today. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Renita. So, Alex, will Asian markets be affected by the Greece situation?
2: Of course, uh, This would um, have a negative impact initially, but uh, if you look at the futures of uh, the U.S. market right now, the decline is not that much. We are talking about 8.5 percent retreat in equity indexes futures. Uh, So the impact is 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 there, but not that much. uh, In the meantime, I think people will be very cautious uh, and see what would happen uh, on Thursday.
0: Certainly, Greece uh, enters what could be a very defining week after last-ditch negotiations between the Greek government and its creditors collapsed on Sunday. The EC said that talks in Brussels had uh, broken up uh, just 45 minutes into the conversation with a divide between what the creditors asked of Greece and what its government was prepared to do unbridged. Here is the BBC's Chris Morris.
3: The talks in Brussels lasted less than an hour. They did not succeed. A Greek government spokesman said there could be no further cuts in pensions or wages and no increase in VAT on essential items such as electricity. These have been sticking points for weeks. Now, a meeting of Eurozone finance ministers this coming Thursday may be the last chance for Greece to agree a deal on the economic reforms its creditors are demanding in return for further loans that are needed to prevent the country going bankrupt.
0: Unicredit Bank's chief global economist, Eric Nielsen, remains optimistic.
1: The Greeks want a deal at the end of the day. And they want it because they really want the stability and the government's uh, strategy doesn't seem to work domestically either. Um, and the Europeans will, will cut a deal. I mean, I'm sure the Germans will, will go along with something that is just OK-ish for now. The bigger one is, of course, get the IMF on board on this. And then the really difficult one is persuade the Spaniards and the Slovakians and the, the other Eurozone countries, which are much more hardline than Germany, to actually put it through their parliaments.
0: So if the IMF wants out, the question is, where does that leave the others?
1: I mean, at the end of the day, the IMF is, would be in line with the Germans. I mean, this is a, I think this is a, a given. It's clear that people are really fed up with this uh, scene and back and forth. And I was just talking to somebody here in Munich a little while ago. to say well, why do we keep talking about this? Uh, and it's, there's a, uh, When you talk to the officials on the European side, and I would say also with the IMF guys, people are just simply fed up with this because if you've never seen anything so completely ridiculous, frankly speaking, from a debtor country in the way they approach it, but it, but it is what it is, and, and, and people would really want this thing to be sorted out, right? So, so the IMF will come in with this, and uh, I'm glad I'm not the IMF guy who's going to bring this thing through the board.
0: The euro has dropped almost 0.5% to $1.12 in early trading. With the U.S. Federal Reserve expected to leave interest rates on hold this week, the market will be focusing on policymakers for clear signals on whether the central bank will make its first interest rate hike in nearly a decade. Peter Dixon, Global Equities Head at Commerce Bank, says that there's a very strong chance that the Fed will announce a rate hike in September.
1: Um, obviously it depends upon uh, the recent run of data being continued it also depends upon uh, inflation beginning to recover but I think the signs are that the Fed would like to pull the trigger at some point uh, but they don't want to, to go too soon. I mean if we've waited this long I mean it's uh, it'll be almost uh, I think seven years uh, uh, by the time we get to uh, the, by the time we get to September but since uh, the last rate move so they can afford to wait but it won't be much longer than uh, the, the meeting after that. Uh, certainly we will see I'm pretty sure we'll see a rate hike before the end of this year. Uh, the question really is whether we see one or two
0: all right let's bring in our international economics correspondent barry wood who joins us now from washington dc good morning barry
4: good morning renita good morning alex
0: lots to talk about today let's start with greece now uh barry can you tell us what actually led to the breakdown in conversations
4: well, there have been so many. Are you talking about the one Sunday in Brussels, which only went on for 45 minutes?
0: Certainly. That's the one uh, Yeah, we're <laughs> all wondering about.
4: Yeah, this was the one that was supposed to pave the way for a deal on Thursday, but clearly it didn't work. And, uh, you know, Greece is really alienated. I think that uh, I sort of halfway agree with that speaker from Unicredit, but on another element, I do not. I think the Greeks are very much on the back foot. I don't think that you can be optimistic there's going to be a solution. What caused the breakdown, Renita, was that uh, the Greeks are simply not serious about cutting their pensions. I know that sounds Mm. terrible, but if you're living far beyond your means and your pensions are almost the same size of germany a much richer country regrettably the creditors have determined that those pensions cannot be afforded and have to be at least cut back somewhat then there's the problem of their budget how much of a surplus they will have for next year and then there is the problem of the structural reforms most of which had been done in the previous three years have been undone. So, you know, the Greeks still, as of right now, have not put forward any proposals that would cause the creditors to say, we've got the makings of a deal
0: so um okay, so there are three areas one is pensions, one is budget surplus and one is economic reforms so uh, on the money side, uh, how significant is it uh, for Greece to actually you know make some cash or make some cash available by cutting back on pensions
4: well that um, that becomes a structural reform if they do it, because what the Greeks need is for the money that's promised, if there are reforms by the Europeans, to be released, because that allows the Greeks then to pay off some other debts Mm. and, of course, to pay their civil servants. So, you know, the pensions, if the Greeks make some kind of gesture to say, yes, we'll consider this, or in fact, we'll put it on the calendar and have it done by a certain date, I think that would really move things along Rather
0: sharply. Now, uh, Barry, you don't sound so optimistic, perhaps on uh, the you know resolution being reached. Although Cyprus has said it has been reported, you know that he is willing to make some unpalatable compromises.
4: I hope for the sake of the Greek people he is, because, uh, you know, look, this thing can't go on forever. We've had five years of this, and as your previous speaker was saying, you know, a lot of people are just so tired of it they don't want any more. He is right, that previous speaker, that the rest of the Europeans are probably even more hard-line at this point than the Germans. But I think that uh, Tsipras, the uh, prime minister in Greece, has thus far made no indication that he is prepared to roll back this commitment to end austerity. Let's not forget that the public television service in Greece was taken off the air and mm-hmm. Cyprus in the last 2 weeks put it back on the air. That cost a lot of money. It was a courageous decision by the previous government to cut it. So, you know, it's it's straight across the board. If he wants a deal, if he wants to pay his debts and avoid bankruptcy, he's going to have to do something and Thus far, we don't see any sign of it, Renita.
0: Yeah, stick to uh, sort of what's already been done. So it sounds like the focus has now shifted to this June 18th meeting of the Eurogroup. Um, Will this be the make-or-break session, do you think, Barry?
4: Well, it could be, Renita, because um, this one is an important one. There's no doubt about it. Christine Lagarde is going from Washington back to Luxembourg for this Thursday Eurogroup meeting. You know, but everyone's going to be there, the head of the European Central Bank and the finance ministers of all of Greece's partners. But usually, when there's going to be a deal, something has to be done in the 48 hours or so before the meeting so that they have some papers to look at on the table. So far, that was to happen today, and it didn't. Mm. So I think that uh, you can't really be optimistic. But look, something could... uh, It's like, uh, you know, the magic show. They pull the rabbit out of the hat. It could happen at the last minute.
0: And if they don't pull the rabbit out of the hat, does that spell the end of the road for Greece?
4: Well, I think that uh, the road doesn't have a a blockage across it. I think there's always a path around. Hmm. I think that uh, if there is no agreement by Thursday, things are going to get tough. I would think the first thing to look for might be that they don't make payments to civil servants. That's teachers, all the people who work in the public sector. And I think, secondly, there would be a de facto, default on debt repayments. I don't think they're going to be out of the European Union or out of the Eurozone anytime quickly, even if they default. But. Um, You know, this is uncharted territory.
0: It certainly is. All right, Barry, um, you know, Reuters has reported that China will pledge a multi-billion dollar investment in Europe's new infrastructure fund at uh, a summit on June 29th in Brussels. Do you think this is Beijing's sort of latest round of checkbook diplomacy to win greater influence in the global governance area?
4: Yes, I do. I think that if you've got lots of money and you've got now the banking facilities and you've got international participation, it's very good to uh, be very diverse in where you're going to invest that money. So uh, we know that the Chinese are looking for further participation at a high level in the International Monetary Fund. They certainly want their influence to be reflected in these international organizations. And uh, this clearly is uh, compatible with that objective.
0: Alex, what do you think of that? Uh, Barry says if you've got lots of money, you don't have the banking facilities, and you want the participation, then uh, sure. What are your thoughts?
2: Of course, yes. I think uh, China now is uh, more focusing on uh, infrastructure and its influence in in the world. And I think this would be a trend uh, in the coming years. And also export its uh, excessive uh, production capacities.
0: Barry, with, uh, you know, such a large investment uh, by China, it all raises questions about governance in a European fund.
4: Well, it does. But, you know, what you've uh, mentioned about this meeting coming up in Brussels and this new money, we really don't know any of the details of, of where that money is going and how it will be um, uh, administered. So I'm going to reserve on that, except it is obvious That if you've got rail lines being built from China right across Central Asia into Europe, which is a huge market for China, Mm -hmm. obviously it makes sense for the Chinese to be involved in the end of that line. So I'm not surprised. I think it's significant, but we don't have details.
0: Now, what about the quid pro quo arrangement? I mean, uh, people are expecting that uh, uh, this investment will come with a request for return investment in China's westward infrastructure drive. In other words, you know, the one belt, one road initiative. What are your thoughts (laughs) on that?
4: Well, my thoughts are it's going to happen because uh, the Europeans want it. I think the Chinese want it. I'll defer to Alex on this one. I think he's much closer
0: to it than I. Alex.
2: Oh, yes, I think it will It will happen. Yes, and then, of course this is a uh, uh, the, the government policy right now uh, to to expand its uh, reach in uh, in the one by one role, Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, Barry, before we let you go, of course, we have to ask, uh, you know, what's on deck uh, for this week's Fed meeting. Uh, Nobody's expecting a rate hike to be announced this week, but uh, suddenly all eyes or all ears are on, on the meeting to, you know, for an expected hike in September. What do you think?
4: Well, I think you're right. That's the big news here in Washington this coming week. And let's not forget that uh, Janet Yellen will have a press conference on Wednesday after the meeting. Uh, The Fed has those press conferences four times a year. So this is the June one for this quarter. And clearly she will be asked, I would suspect, about Greece and the question you raise. When are rates going to go up? She'll finesse that latter question, but I don't think she'll rule out a Fed rate rise, of short-term Fed funds rate rise, uh, later this year. I think 53% of the analysts who look at this say it's going to happen in September. But I come back to Christine Lagarde and the International Monetary Fund and now the World Bank chief economist. Mm. They're both saying, uh-uh, don't do it. Wait until the new year, which is now another six months away. So I think that's going to be the news in Washington, the Fed press conference on Wednesday afternoon.
0: Well, it's going to be a fun week. All right, Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. That's Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent, who joins us every Monday from Washington, D.C. Well, the value of Chinese stocks has risen above $10 trillion for the first time. This is the latest milestone for the nation's world-beating rally. The gain alone is more than $5 trillion, uh, which is the size of Japan's entire stock market valuations are now at their highest in 5 years and margin debt has climbed to a record while the economy is mired in its weakest expansion since 1990. So the question of course is how long will the bull run continue? Here's Macquarie's head of China strategy Irwin Sanft.
3: In of many other markets where we, we suffer very long uh Sanft is head of China strategy at Macquarie Securities. Oh, I'm going to see it. Right.
0: Alex, do you think it is too late to invest in China?
2: Oh uh, it depends uh, if you are a momentum trader is is okay, but if you are a value investor that is too late
0: value investor <laughs> you're too late okay yeah. because the valuations have peaked so but can anyone be a momentum trader i mean the the regular retail investor oh,
2: i think uh, for for retail investors they, they care about more more more, more momentum than value right, right, right now uh they always be actually i think uh, uh if you look at the news front um China would still be okay for a while, I think. The sentiment-wise is okay, but uh, if you look at the value, I think uh, they are quite expensive. And actually, if you look at the fund flow, um, foreigners actually are exiting the Chinese Chinese position right now. So uh, there's quite a bit of fund outflows from uh, China funds overseas. So that means uh, uh, there is a discrepancy between the will of uh, foreigners and, and and local investors actually.
0: All right. Well, let's take a quick look at the numbers now. The Nikkei is down almost 1% this morning to 20,218. And Australia's ASX 200 is down 0.08% to 5,000. 547 in currencies uh as we mentioned one euro is currently valued as at 1.12 u.s dollars the u.s dollar is trading at 123.35 yen and one pound sterling buys you 12 hong kong dollars and six cents
1: to deal with multi-drug resistant organisms apart from using antibiotics properly we need your help how can you help by cleaning your hands frequently clean your hands with soap or an alcohol-based hand rub before and after taking care of patients Before eating or taking medicine. And after coughing or sneezing. And rub your hands for at least 20 seconds during cleaning. And after going to the toilet, you must wash your hands with soap. For details, please visit www.chp.gov.hk.
0: The time is now 8.21 a.m. and total worldwide investment in fintech reached 3 billion US dollars in 2013. That's uh, triple the amount in 2008 but Hong Kong has been criticized of lagging behind. Now if you're a fintech startup with innovative ideas but you lack the experience or the funding then our next guest might just be your man. Nest and DBS have partnered together to help fintech startups pitch to angel investors. So let's bring in Nest Accelerators director Peter Dingle who joins us now on Money for Nothing. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. So can you tell us exactly what uh, Nest and DBS are doing, what this accelerator program is about?
3: Okay, so Nest is really a driver of the startup ecosystem in Hong Kong. And uh, DBS are looking for innovation in fintech space to, to bring new ideas and new solutions to banking for small, medium enterprises around Asia. So we've partnered together to create um, the first um, Asia-based FinTech Accelerator. Uh, It's a 12-week program, um, which we're accepting applications for now. Um, And it's it's effectively a a matchmaking between innovative new startup ideas and Southeast Asia's largest bank, DBS.
0: So I can't tell whether 12 weeks is too long or too short for matchmaking. <laughs> what exactly do you do during that time?
3: The tw- the, uh, the accelerator is broken into three steps, and the 12-week is really... The, the middle stage of this accelerator. During those 12 weeks, um, the each of the teams, and we'll be accepting eight teams into this first batch, go through a meeting of, of mentors uh, from the bank uh, as well as the partners that we have supporting the program. They refine their ideas, um, they practice pitching, and they prepare themselves for a demo day, which uh, is the culmination of the accelerator them presenting their ideas to investors and trying to raise their next round of funding
0: okay, and why specifically have you chosen to focus on fintech
3: well fintech is is one of four big areas that we feel are you know excellent opportunities for for investment in Hong Kong uh, but also for the region um, there's a lot of innovation um uh, and there's a lot of talent in, in this part of the world. And a lot of that talent just needs support and mentorship to, to bring ideas to life.
0: So when we say fintech, of course, I mean, that's a wide word. Is it specifically focused on startup? that are enhancing trading and financial operations with their software? Is it financial news? Like what sort of different areas within FinTech uh, would you select these eight companies for?
3: It is broad and it's, it's, um, we've chosen to open the applications to a very broad range so that we're not discounting any potential uh, opportunities. Um, the small, medium enterprise banking um, area um, you know has can, can benefit from anything from online e commerce mobile commerce um, even peer to peer banking um, but that doesn 't discount fintech that may help the back uh, the bank on the back end um, maybe big data analytics for um, deciding on where new products should be created um, or um, in in areas that we may not have thought of. So we're accepting applications now until the 1st of July, and we'll be working with all of those applications to select the best eight.
0: And uh, you said earlier that they pitched to you know, angel investors and and uh, you know, other sort of big investors. Many of the listeners on our show, well, certainly you know, some of our listeners are going to be people who are interested perhaps in, in fintech from the point of view of starting a fintech Company or, or something akin to that. Many of them are re- just retail uh, investors. Is there a way for the lay investor to actually get involved, or is it only sort of uh, big ticket holders who have the opportunity to invest in these?
3: Absolutely. Um, as as investors, your return is. Proportionately tied to the risk And these aren't necessarily um, the, the, the investments That you want to put your pension money into But there are, um, there are Opportunities for angels um, And for people who want to, to Support new businesses Not only to invest small amounts of capital To help these companies grow But also to mentor and advise um, I'm sure there are a lot of talented Listeners out there who would like to give back To the community And this is an opportunity to do that Um, But there are a number of ways that investors can get involved. Um, The the most common way is to attend a Nest uh, demo day. Um, The DBS Accelerators demo day will be around the November timeframe. But before then, there's also a website called investable.vc, which – any of your listeners can go to today and have a look at some of the companies that are in early stage and they can get to know those companies they can see videos around those uh, about what those companies are doing and they can sort of get familiar with investing in the startup ecosystem
0: now when you say uh, they can invest in small amounts how small or how big and how do they do that
3: well different companies at different stages need different types of capital requirements um generally we're talking about early stage seed investments so that could be a company selling 10% equity for anywhere from 50,000 US dollars to 250,000 US dollars now um, but as companies grow and as their capital requirements inc- increase, um, generally you know, the, these, these investments grow. So, so that's why having a pool of investors is really important, investors that can get to know and understand what the founders' motivations are um, and um, that, that are able to advise and help. We're looking for investors who are really quite active and interested in, in helping build the business.
0: Alex, what do you think?
2: Well, I think uh, it would take a long time for Hong Kong investors to accommodate to this kind of investing because this is something very new in Hong Kong. But of course, uh, for 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 I think the China probably will pay a part later on because China China actually is more more familiar with this kind of investment and Chinese money would be more available in Hong Kong later. I think.
0: All right. Well, uh, Peter, where can we find out more information uh, about the Accelerator
3: program? Okay. Well, um, there is a website. It's dbs-accelerator.com, or listeners can just Google DBS Accelerator, and they'll find that that website link. Um, Anyone who's got an idea and would like to apply um, can apply before July the 1st, um, or they can find Nest on at nest.vc. And uh, they can check out all of the activities that Nest is doing in the ecosystem today.
0: All right, Peter, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Peter Dingle, and he is the director of Nest Accelerators. Well, let's take a quick look at the numbers before we close up the show. The Nikkei is a down six tenth of a percent to twenty thousand two hundred eighty four. Australia's ASX two hundred uh, index is a down point seven percent to five thousand. Five hundred and twelve, and Sols Kospi also down tenths of a percent to two thousand and forty four. Gold is currently valued at one thousand one hundred and eighty one dollars and twenty cents per ounce, and Brent crude oil at sixty three dollars and fifty four cents. Well, here we are at the end of a Monday, uh, Alex. We've talked about the Fed meeting this week, uh, uh, the you know the, the mm. June eighteenth meeting around Greece this week. What else uh, should we be looking out for that is going to to affect the markets? Well,
2: of course for Hong Kong would be the let go uh, on Wednesday and Thursday uh, to see the uh, political reform without uh, voting. And, uh, but I am optimistic this week actually. I think uh, last week we probably have seen the bottom already in Hong Kong. So we probably would enter into a phase of consolidation for for some time and uh, probably people would not be too excited uh, initially because of those uh, events. But I think uh, uh, we had we had, we know, uh, we, we had no, these uncertainties uh, to to go up uh, to in this week. So people are prepared. So I think uh, this week probably we will see uh, some recovery towards the end. I think.
0: All right, all eyes on the Hong Kong market then. Alex, thank you for joining us this morning. And every Monday, that's Alex Wong. He is the Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital. And I'm Renita Malhotra Hora, wrapping up for this morning's edition of Money for Nothing. The weather forecast today will be mainly fine, apart from some isolated showers and thunderstorms in the morning. The temperature right now is 28 degrees Celsius, and the relative humidity is 94%. Time for the news with Sam Butler. South Korea has reported five new cases of the MERS respiratory virus, taking the total to 150. Officials said another person had died, the 16th fatality, in an outbreak that began in May. Leading virologist Malik Paris has returned to Hong Kong from Seoul, where he took part in a World Health Organization mission to study the virus. Professor Paris, who's the chair of virology at the University of Hong Kong, said in the past week, South Korean officials had ramped up measures to combat MERS, and he believed the number of new cases were declining. A whole lot of measures have been strengthened Last
4: week or so and if you look at the case numbers that are being reported or if you look at the epidemic curve you can see that the case numbers that are being reported you have to keep in mind represent old cases and new cases so even though you may see numbers reported every day it doesn't mean all of these are newly acquired cases if you look at the date of onset of newly acquired cases these do seem to be coming down
0: Turkey has started to allow into its territory dozens of Syrians fleeing a town held by Islamic State militants, which is coming under attack from Kurdish fighters. Thousands of refugees from Tal Abyad...